If you'd like to turn to Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. Our scripture corresponding to the sermon is Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. They read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. It's great to see you this evening. Thank you so much for being a part of our worship. I know we've got some visitors with us. We're really glad that you've come. Just might mention briefly that tonight, uh, after services, we're going to have what we call a brown bag meal. And brown bag just basically means you bring your own food. Um, so if you'd like to run and get something uh, and, and bring it back, you're more than welcome to. The reason for this is we're going to be welcoming KJ Moore. Uh, KJ obviously has been here for a week. He preached last Sunday, but uh, we're so excited for KJ to be here and to be working with us. And uh, we're going to be doing a pounding for KJ. Um, when I was first starting out preaching, the church where I began up in East Texas did a pounding for us, and it was traditional uh, in the sense that what a pounding was, was in the years past, you would bring a pound of what you thought would be useful for the new preacher. So a pound of sugar, a pound of flour, a pound of, you know, whatever. And, and you just, you know, pack the pantry and, and help the preacher to have a, a new start. We're not doing that to you, KJ, don't worry. But, uh, but we are going to be, uh, be presenting KJ with some things to help himself get started here in Katy. And we're so glad that you've come to be with us. We're really excited to work with you and we know you're gonna be a blessing to us. Uh, thanks for your prayers this past week as many of us were away at summer camp at Camp Bandina. Uh, it was really hot. It was 105 degrees more or less just about every single day. Uh, the river was really low there at camp, but uh, everybody had a great time. And I want those of you who are parents to know, uh, we couldn't be happier with the way that your young people conducted themselves. They were exemplary in their behaviors and their attitudes and their Christian spirit. Um, on Friday, I sat in a meeting with all the other counselors that were present at camp this week. And we talked about in our cabins who we thought were the best um, representations of the kind of spirit that we would like to see at camp. And many, many of your young people were named by name by other counselors who had watched their behavior. I just want you to know that it's, it's, it's exemplary and it's remarkable. And it's a, it's a testament to the kind of the kind of way that you're bringing up your young people. And so thank you so much for what you do to encourage your kids. And thanks young people for the way that you handle yourself when we're away at things like camp. We're so thankful for you. Let's ask this question tonight. Why don't we understand the Bible alike? It seems that in Bible studies, oftentimes the Bible studies that we have conclude with people saying, well, that's just your interpretation. We're going to have to agree to disagree. I just don't know that we can ever come to a meeting of the minds on this topic or this subject or this passage. I just don't know that we can come to a common understanding of what the Bible says about this particular issue. Is that true though? We can say that and that's very popular nowadays, but is it true? Is it true that we cannot come to a meeting of the minds and agree and commonly all of us understand what the Bible says and what the Bible means about a number of really important topics? Think about it this way. We, we regularly need to have a common understanding in some other areas of life. 
When it comes to recipes, those of you who try to cook, there is no room for your interpretation of whether the recipe calls for a cup of flour or not. The recipe says what it says, and if you're gonna remake what is being counseled on the recipe card, you have to understand the measurements and the type of ingredients that are being used. It just, it's just essential. Not only that, but when you go to the doctor, doctors do it digitally now, but they used to give you a paper prescription. They would write down on the paper, you need such and such a prescription, so many uh, milligrams of such and such a, 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 um, a drug. And then you would take that to the pharmacist. And the pharmacist can't take that piece of paper and say, well, my interpretation is different from what a different pharmacist might do. And you never can be sure exactly what the doctors mean anyway. I mean, can we really understand a prescription alike? Can we really understand a recipe alike? Or what about sale ads? Did you know that major corporations and stores, they have people that they employ for the specific purpose. Their whole job centers around proofreading the sale ads. Because if a sale ad goes out and there is a misprint, even a tiny one, if they drop a zero from one of the prices on one of the items, they're going to have major issues because they recognize, these stores do, that what is written on the sale ad is going to be commonly understood as the price we are advertising for this particular product. And nobody really looks at those areas of life and many others you could name and says, you know, it's just your interpretation. I don't know that we can ever agree on what price Walmart is selling the TV for after all. I don't know that we can ever agree on whether or not we should put flour in this recipe. Nobody says those things. We just commonly, knowing the kind of document we're looking at, we just commonly recognize that this is something that is understandable. So why do people struggle when it comes to the Bible? Why is it that when we open this book and we begin to read from its pages, why is it that so many of our Bible studies and our conversations end with, we're just gonna have to agree to disagree? Why is that the case? Let's explore that question tonight. Get your Bible out. And what I want us to do with our first point is I just want us to ask the question, can we understand the Bible alike? Passages from God's word for us to think about. This is kind of like a classy sermon, kind of like a Bible class, but I want you to turn to 10 passages with me because I want you to see these in your Bibles just like mine. Turn first of all to Isaiah chapter one and look with me at verse 18. Can we commonly understand, can we come to a meeting of the minds about what God means when he gives us his word? Is it possible for us to understand the Bible at all? to know what it says, and to come to a conclusion that is right and true based on what it says. Isaiah 1 verse 18, God calls to his people and he says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I want you to notice the first part of that verse. God says, come and let us reason together. The invitation that the Bible makes to all mankind is don't wait for some supernatural force to zap you with illumination or to enlighten your heart. God says, open the pages of my book, sit down and let us reason together based on what is written, based on what my word teaches. Let us reason together. 
God expects us to use our brains, our minds, to understand what is written on these pages. Come, let us reason together. Passage number two, turn to Matthew 4, verse 4. Matthew 4, verse 4. Jesus was led out to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And the first temptation was that he should change stones into bread, remember? He was hungry. He had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And the devil said, if you really are the son of God, change these rocks into bread. You can do it, Jesus. Use your miraculous power for your own selfish purposes. You're hungry. You're the son of God after all. You can provide. And Jesus remarks this way. He quotes from Deuteronomy. And here's what he says in Matthew 4, verse 4. It is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If you are not living by the words that proceed from the mouth of God, you are not really living, according to Jesus. We don't just live by what we put in our mouths, we live by what we put into our hearts. And the assumption in this passage that Jesus makes is that we can understand and we can know what the words that come from the mouth of God mean. Is anybody really gonna argue that God is less capable of making himself understood than Walmart? Is anybody gonna argue that God is less capable of telling us what he intends us to know than a doctor writing a prescription on a piece of paper? Man lives by the words that proceed from the mouth of God. Next passage, Matthew 22, verse 29. When the Pharisees and the Sadducees came and challenged Jesus on the great day of controversy, it's what we call this day, the day when lots of questions were being thrown his way, the Sadducees had asked their question of Jesus. And his response begins this way. The Sadducees concocted a story about a woman who was married seven times and their assumption was there's no such thing as a resurrection. And Jesus begins by responding to them with this, Matthew 22, 29, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. What was Jesus' condemnation of the Sadducees? The fact that they didn't know the Bible, they didn't know what it says. You do not know the scriptures, neither do you know the power of God. And that's why you're wrong, Sadducees. Again, for our purposes, can we understand the Bible? Jesus expected the Sadducees to. He expected them to know what it means. Turn to John 20, look at verses 30 and 31. Again, our question, is it possible for us? Are we capable of knowing and understanding God? Can we know his will? Can we understand the Bible at all? John 20, verse 30. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these, John 20 verse 31, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Why is the book of John written? It's written so that you can read it and you can know what it means and you can believe in Jesus Christ and you can have life in his name. Can we understand the Bible? John says, that's the reason I wrote the book of John, so that believing you may have life through his name. Next passage, Acts chapter four, verse 32. As we think about this question, is it possible for us to know? Is it possible for us to understand? Acts chapter four, verse 32. When people have differences of opinion about the Bible, when people say, you know, you've got your interpretation and I've got mine, it always, always leads to division. 
and most often at least a sinful division. But I want you to notice what happened in the early church in Acts 4.32. Listen very carefully to the words. This is shortly after the New Testament church had begun. And the Bible says in Acts 4 verse 32, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. The first century church, brothers and sisters, was united. They were of one heart, they were of one soul, they listened to the apostles' teaching and they understood it. And they knew exactly what God wanted them to do. And because of that, they had unity. Did you ever get a group of three or four people together and ask, what are we gonna do for lunch? Where are we gonna go? We're gonna go to a restaurant for lunch. Which one are we gonna go to? Do those three or four people ever agree? I mean, maybe once in a blue moon, if we can't even agree on where we're gonna go eat lunch, how are we going to agree on questions like, what must I do to be saved? And what's going to happen when this world comes to an end? And what does it mean to live a holy life before God? How are we gonna agree on questions like that? The early church agreed on questions like that. They were of one heart and one soul. They listened to the scriptures and did what God commanded. Turn to Romans 16 and look at verse 17. As we list these 10 passages, 10 passages that are worthy of our contemplation. Can we even understand the Bible at all? Can we know what is true and what is false? Can we know what is God's will and what is not? Romans 16 verse 17, the Bible reads, now I urge you brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine or teaching which you have learned and avoid them. Here the Bible says that there is teaching that is true and it is accurate. And one of our responsibilities as Christians is to pay attention to what people are saying. Is what this person is saying in line with what God has said in his word? And if someone is saying something that is contrary to, that is against the doctrine that God's word has revealed, we are to avoid those people. Note them and avoid them, the Bible says. Can we understand the Bible alike? God expects us to understand him. Just as a doctor would understand, would expect the, uh, the uh, pharmacist to understand his prescription, God wants us to note and avoid those who speak differently than his word speaks. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 10, probably on the same page you're already open to. I plead with you, brethren, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. How are we going to do that? How are we ever going to be of the same mind? And how are we ever going to speak the same thing? And how are we ever going to have unity? Unity is founded upon an understanding of God's truth. It's founded upon reasoning about God's word. What does God intend for me to know? What does God intend for me to believe? And most importantly, what does God intend for me to do according to his will? That's where speaking the same thing comes from. It comes from a common understanding of God's revelation. Ephesians 3 verses 1 through 7. As we think about the question, can we understand the Bible? Listen to what the apostle Paul writes. Paul knew Jesus personally, face to face. He had spent time with the resurrected Lord. And Paul says, in Ephesians chapter three, I'm gonna begin in verse three. Ephesians chapter three, verse three. He said, 
By revelation, Jesus made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which, verse 4, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. What's he saying there in Ephesians 3, verses 3 and 4? He's saying that when you read the words that I have written, I receive these words from the Lord himself. And when you read these words that I have written, you're going to have the exact same understanding of the mystery that I have. Can we understand the Bible alike? Can we all agree on what the Bible teaches? Yes or no? The answer that Paul would argue is yes, absolutely. Read what I've written and you can share in my understanding of the gospel of the Gentiles being brought into the body of Christ. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. Look at that passage. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. Can we understand Scripture alike? Can we understand it all? 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That sounds like God expects us to understand His Word. It sounds like He expects us to correct people who are doing things different from His Word. It sounds like Scripture reproves those who are doing things in contradiction to His Word. It sounds like God expects us to take His Word and to put it into practice so that we can accomplish every good work that God has given us to do. Can we understand the Bible at all? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us the Bible is what equips us to serve and to please God in the first place. One more passage along these lines. 2 Peter 3, verses 15 and 16. Peter says something curious and it's worthy of our contemplation. 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 15. Peter writes, consider the long suffering of our Lord as salvation. And then he talks about Paul. He says, 2 Peter 3, 15, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, verse 16, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they also do the rest of the scriptures. Now that's interesting. Can we understand the Bible at all? Second Peter 3.16 says, some of the things that Paul wrote are difficult to understand. It does not say impossible to understand. It says difficult to understand. There are some things that you will have to think a little bit more deeply about. There are some issues and topics that you will have to study longer and pray more over and think more generally about. But the Bible says it's not impossible, it's difficult to understand some things. But can I just make an observation? When we're asking the question, what must I do to be saved? That is not one of the difficult things to understand. God did not make that one of those things that, you know, I'm really not sure what God would have me to do here. When it comes to the question, what does it mean to live a holy life? That is not one of the things that God made difficult to understand. But there are some things in the Bible that take a little more study, a little more reasoning, a little more thinking. 
Those are passages to consider and take it as a whole. The Bible says, the Bible indicates this is God's word and he expects us to respect what he has taught, to accept it into our hearts, not disagree with it, not contradict it, and certainly not to twist it to our own destruction. You can understand the Bible. Second this evening, can we understand the Bible alike? Why don't we? Let's think about some problems. Why is it that many people do not agree? And why is it that the meeting of the minds is not always possible? I would suggest that many times the problem is not so much with the Bible, but with people. I would suggest that the problem is not with understanding what God has written, but with the desire to do what God says. Let me suggest the following. Sometimes we struggle to agree about what the Bible teaches because we're just lazy. I don't know how many times over the years I've had visits and studies with people that have said, well, you know, I'm not as well versed in the Bible as maybe you are. And, and, you know, I'm just going to have to, you know, I'm just going to have to say, this is what I believe. The Bible says in Acts 17, verse 11, that the people in Berea, when they heard Paul preach, they were more noble than those in Thessalonica. You know why? because they searched the scriptures daily to see whether what they were hearing was true. Do not be lazy in studying the Bible. Don't just take what some preacher on TV says. Don't just take what John on the internet says or Jordan or KJ or anybody else. Do not just accept something because I said it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not true. If God's word doesn't agree with it, it's not true. But sometimes we're kind of lazy, you know, I just accept it. We, you know, this is what this church does. This is what my pastor says. Don't be lazy. We have a responsibility to study God's word and to ask, is what I am hearing so? Is this really from God? And sometimes people are just lazy. I really don't, I don't have any interest in studying. I don't have any interest in reading. Secondly, some people disagree about what the Bible teaches because they're worried about what others will think. Turn in your Bible to John 12 and look at verses 42 and 43. John 12 verses 42 and 43. The problem again is not with God and his ability to make himself understood. The problem is with us and the way that we come to his word. John 12:42. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. What would my friends think? What would my church think? What would my family think if I really obeyed what God told me to do? And because of that, people say, I'm not going to accept what the Bible teaches. I'm going to do something different. Third, some people accept human tradition as authority. That's what the Pharisees were guilty of doing. The Pharisees started out, and I really believe they were well-intentioned. They really were interested in holiness. They really were interested in living pure lives, but that kind of took on a life of its own. And before long, they had developed all these traditions and customs that helped them to avoid sin, quote-unquote. And Jesus says in Mark 7, verses 6 and 7, that they had negated some of the important commands that God had given them. He said, by their tradition. He said, in vain you worship me, teaching as doctrines, teaching as commandments, the traditions of men. And some people still today accept the traditions of humans as their authority. Well, this is what the church has always done, they say. This is what we've done every year for as long as anybody can remember. Therefore, it must be okay. Human tradition is not our authority, the scripture is. 
And we're going to have differences if we accept tradition in distinction to Scripture. Fourth, some people prefer to hear false things. Jeremiah 5 verse 31, the prophets prophesy falsely. The priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so. I'll tell you something. If we don't like what the Bible teaches, I promise you can always find somebody who will tell you what you want to hear. Always. There is no lack of people who are teaching from the Bible things that the Bible does not teach. And if you don't like what the Bible says and what the Bible implies, you can find someone who will tell you what you want to hear, and some people prefer it that way. It's easier than repenting. It's easier than making my life different. It's easier than taking up my cross and following Jesus. I prefer to hear false things. In Isaiah chapter 30, the people said to Isaiah, do not prophesy to us true things, prophesy to us smooth things, things that are easy for us to hear. Isaiah 30, and I believe it's verse 20. Some prefer to hear that. Next, sometimes we struggle to agree on what the Bible teaches because we start with the wrong assumption. In Acts 17, verse 20, Paul began with an idol that the Athenians had overlooked, an idol that said to the unknown God. He said, I want to talk to you about that particular God. But sometimes we start with the wrong assumptions in our Bible study. I'll give you an example. There are multiplied millions of people out there who assume on the face of it that original sin is a doctrine taught in Scripture. They just assume it. It's not. It's not upheld by Scripture. The idea that babies are born in a sinful state, in a sinful condition, and that they're condemned and lost unless the Holy Spirit comes and regenerates their hearts, that is not taught in Scripture anywhere. But there are multiplied millions of people who begin with that assumption, and when they open up the pages of the Bible, because that assumption is in their head and in their hearts, everything else they read is colored by that and shaped by that and molded by that, that doctrine, that original sin, that we inherit sin from Adam, that doctrine is everywhere. And that assumption that people begin with is a false assumption to start. We're going to have trouble agreeing on what the Bible teaches if we don't listen to what God says about the condition of infants and small children. Some begin with wrong and improper assumptions. Some people fail to consider everything the Bible says about a given topic. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 21 says, prove all things and hold fast that which is good. As God's people, we have a responsibility and an obligation to take everything Scripture says about a given topic. Because otherwise, if we're not paying attention to everything the Bible says, the commands it gives, the examples that are presented to us, and the inferences we must necessarily draw from the way that God presents His Word, if we're not paying attention to those things, and we're not looking at everything that God has to say, we're going to start making some narrow judgments and assumptions that may not be completely sustained by Scripture. A failure to consider everything that God says on a given subject. Sometimes people fail to, or fear to lose power, wealth, or status. <clears throat> if I obeyed the gospel, if I did what Jesus wants me to do here, think of what I'd be giving up. The rich young ruler is a prime example of this. Mark 10 verse 22, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. If I follow Jesus, I'm going to have to give up that which I love, that which I possess. 
And many times people will defend their viewpoint, not because they don't understand, not because God hasn't made himself clear, but because they fear to lose something if they obey. And then sometimes people are just dishonest with the facts. John 7 verse 12, even Jesus' brothers, even the disciples that were, uh, the, the Jewish people that were around Jesus, as they looked at him and as they tried to evaluate, is this the Messiah or not? How many people do you know that can walk on water? How many people do you know that can feed the crowds, the multitudes with five loaves and two fishes? How many people do you know that can raise the dead and heal the sick and cause the blind to see? And yet still people are looking at those facts and is he really the son of God? Not sure. Sometimes people are just flat out dishonest. I don't want to believe this. I don't want to follow him. Therefore, he doesn't really, he's not really special. The Bible doesn't really say what it very clearly says. We're dishonest with facts. I submit again tonight this. The problem is not that God is incapable of making himself understood by all of us. The problem is with us and the attitudes and the assumptions with which we come to his word. That's the problem. Let me give you three examples as we, as we conclude this evening. Three examples. Can God make himself understood? As Jesus prepared to ascend, he said to his disciples in Mark 16, 15 and 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who believes not shall be condemned. If Jesus, the Lord, could stand right here beside me this evening in the flesh and talk to us, and we were to ask him, Lord, what must I do to be saved? How do you think he would answer that question? What do you think his response would be? He would say, whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. But wait, Lord, you, you can't mean that we have to be baptized to be saved. That, that, that can't be what you're saying. What other words would he use to try to convince us that that is what it means to come into a relationship with him? He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Do what he says. It's a prescription. Don't be the pharmacist that second guesses the doctor. I, I don't think the doctor knows exactly how to treat you. I don't think he knows exactly what's gonna cure your illness. Just listen to the doctor, he's the great physician. Second example, John 14, six. An exclusive claim, some would say a narrow-minded, a bigoted claim. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you're going to have a relationship with God, it is going to be through Jesus Christ because he made that claim. This does away immediately with any kind of idea that all people who are spiritual are somehow going to be fine. We're all on different paths. We all have to seek our own way. We all have to seek the gods that, that seem best to us. No, there's only one way. And Jesus said, he is that way. There's only one truth. And he says, he is the one who is the possessor of that truth. And there's only one real eternal life. And Jesus says, he's the only one that can give it. You have to work hard to misunderstand the Lord. He was exclusive and he does exclude Islam. He does exclude Buddhism. He does exclude Hinduism. If you're going to find access to the Father, it will not be through those religious systems. 
it will be through him and him alone, his gospel. You have to work hard to misunderstand. Example number three. In Exodus 20, verse 11, Moses was giving the Ten Commandments, and he was talking specifically about the Sabbath day. Did you know that on the seventh day of the week, on Saturday, all Jewish people were supposed to rest and do no work? You may know that, but do you know the logic behind it? Here's the logic. Moses says, by inspiration, this is God's word, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. How many days did it take God to make the world? If God were right here speaking to us, literally, personally, and we were to raise our hand, what would you ask God about creation? God, how long did it take you to make the world? Did I not make myself clear? It took me six days. But God, are those literal days? I mean, really, aren't those millions and millions of years? Aren't those eons of time? Because we've got all this other evidence that seems to indicate that something different was happening. Do you believe God's word or do you not? Is it difficult to understand what God has said? Is it difficult for him to make himself understood? Would God stand here and say, well, you know, I, I said this to accommodate the notions of the Hebrews and, and as they were exiting from Egypt. And, and I, I, I know that what I said, I know it says six days, but really that's not true. That's, that's not really what happened. What kind of God is that? We're talking about a God that the Bible says cannot lie. He's incapable of lying. Titus chapter one, verse two. He said he made the world in six days. Whatever other ideas or evidence that might be presented to us, that needs to weigh heavily in our hearts, brothers and sisters and friends. He said, I made the world in six days, and on the seventh day I rested. And not only did I make the world in six days, I made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything that's in them in six days. We have to work hard to misunderstand God's word. That's my point. Why don't we all understand the Bible alike? The real problem is not so much understanding what the Bible says. All of you who are trying to be evangelists, you listen very carefully to what Mr. John is saying, okay? Sorry, John is saying. I've been at camp for a week and I've been Mr. John for a week. So listen to what I'm saying. Sometimes, sometimes, sorry, I feel like I need to stand up and salute. Um, <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> kind of wake you up, you know. Sometimes the problem is not so much understanding what the Bible says. We have conversations with our friends and our loved ones because we care about them, because we want them to know Jesus. We have conversations with them and we think to ourselves in our heart of hearts, you know, I just need to try one more time to explain this. I just need to sit down with them. I, I just don't feel like I did a good enough job and that's why they don't believe. I just don't feel like I made it clear enough. Maybe you didn't. But I would just almost imagine that in those conversations, you did a pretty good job of telling people what the Bible says. And the problem that they're having, folks, is not that they do not understand. The problem they have is having the will to do what the Bible says, which is a different proposition entirely. Understanding is one thing, the will to do it is something completely different. 
And where people break down and where religious division happens is because we don't have the will, the desire to do what this book tells us to do. Are there some things that are hard to understand? Yes. Is salvation and holiness one of those things? Absolutely not, not even a little bit. God says, whoever believes in Jesus Christ and confesses his name and repents of their sin and is baptized will be saved. That is not difficult. The world has made it so. Because instead of understanding and obeying, we've come up with all kinds of reasons and ideas about why that cannot be true. The upshot of this entire lesson is this. In James 1 verse 21, James says, we are to receive with meekness, with humility, the implanted word which is able to save our souls. If we don't come to the Bible with meekness and humility, we're never gonna find truth and we're never gonna have unity. Let's let the Bible be our guide. Let's let the message change us and not the other way around. If we can help you to obey the gospel this evening, if we can pray for you, pray with you, won't you make your, make your need known while together we stand and while we sing. Pardon there was multiplied to me There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary By God's word at last my sin I learned Then I trembled at the law I'd spurned Till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary.